Hello and welcome to Writing About Dragons and Shit. Podcasts are two authors and writers get together and talk about the ways that they tell stories. I'm one of your hosts, Trevor Bettis, your resident writer and podcaster from such shows as I'm Gonna Podcast and Difficulty Class and the Writer Vital Champions of the Forgotten Realms. And with me each week are two amazing people who are... I'm Aaron M. Evans. I write fantasy novels. I'm best known for Empire of Exiles and the Brimstone Angels saga. Me, Dave Walters. I say words about things. Uh, I am Aaron M. Evans' uh, biggest fan and official hype man. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, I say words about things. You do. You do say do. words about things here and there. Once twice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, we're going to start things off uh, with a listener question because that's what we do on the show because uh, it's our show and we'll put the listener questions where we want. Um, <laughs> we'll do so, it live. Uh, I don't know how much of this. Prioritize you. Yes. Uh, I don't know how much of this, uh, this person wants their name said, so I'm just going to call them D. Uh, it says, hello there. Uh, first off, I'd like to say that I'm a massive fan of the show. I listen to it at work all the time, and it's really helped me get back into writing and prove my stuff. Uh, mostly Bad Batch fan fiction, but it's still writing. Damn right it does. That's uh, valid. Uh, mm-hmm. Omega liberation, that's all I have to say. Yeah. Uh, it is with B. Dave's voice in my ear that I uh, actually took a screenplay writing class this semester, and I thought, uh, and through that, managed to discover my own writing slash outlining process. Hey! Hey! Congratulations! Two wins. Uh, we got bad batch and screenwriting. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that said, I have a bunch of ideas constantly, and two things I keep coming back uh, back to me are the genres of western and horror. But I have no experience with either of these genres for several reasons. Uh, I would uh, I'd like to know how you guys manage to write for genres you're not fans of slash familiar with. How do you uh, hit the notes when you're setting out to uh, when you're stepping out of your comfort zone? Thank you so much for the show. So first thing I would say um, is I don't think you should write something you don't at the very least respect. Mm-hmm. And I'm not suggesting that's necessarily the case here, but I think it's worth saying. Sometimes you'll see people be like, I think all you know, all romance is stupid. I'm going to write a good romance. And um, it shows, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to read your scathing takedown. Um, you kind of have to be willing to kind of find out why the genre does the thing it does and what people like about it. And you can certainly do things that turn uh, expectations on their head or deconstruct stuff Uh, that can go really well. But if you go in sneering at it, uh, problems occur as we have discussed here about certain, you know, maybe it's not a problem because they sold a lot of books, but you can't end it if you hate it. Before their untimely death. Before their untimely death. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I guess my question is, why aren't you familiar with those? If you want to write them, then the thing that I would say do first is read a bunch of that stuff. Yeah. Read a bunch of that stuff and like write down what you like and what you don't like and and use it to kind of bounce, you know, bounce those ideas around. Um, Because if you don't, if you don't read in the genre you want to write in, um, what's likely to happen is that you're going to do things that that don't sort of fit within that genre um, in a way that's sort of more off kilter, right? Um, It's worth knowing what are sort of the expectations of horror. What is the sort of structural beats of horror before you go in and write something that is not going to hit horror readers the way you want it to um 
similarly, like you can't read every book in a genre. No one is ever going to suggest that. And if they do, they're full of shit. <laughs> but it's kind of worth knowing what's out there. So you don't come in like I have this really great idea. It's about a cemetery where you bury your pets and they come back to life. And then this guy puts his daughter in the cemetery. and She comes back to life. And it's all about, you know, dealing with that. It's like there's a really famous book. <laughs> and if you're going to do that, you got to bring something new to the table. Mm-hmm. And it's very easy sometimes to sort of like absorb that stuff by osmosis, right? You hear these things about, you know, maybe you haven't watched a lot of Westerns, but I'm sure you have consumed a lot of media that gives you sort of the beats of the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, or, oh, uh, someone that's the Seven Samurai, but it's Western. Magnificent Seven. Magnificent Seven. Thank you. I'm like the there Seven Samurai on horses. <laughs> oh, it's um, not, not that. Right? <laughs> yeah, except they had like, horses and Seven Samurai, too. That's, yeah, that's where yeah, that yeah, analogy yeah, falls yeah. apart. So Besides it's really, that, yes. really easy to absorb stuff and not fully understand you've absorbed it because you've kind of gotten all these links on it and not kind of know where it comes from and then kind of come back with that that same kind of idea whereas if you look at that and you go oh i like that and you approach it intentionally you can take things you like and add your own stuff to it you're not making these choices kind of in the shadows right you're you're doing it all very intentionally um so that's my first thing is sort of like if it's not something that you're a fan of uh or that you're particularly well versed in man get versed in it there's a lot of great stuff out there that's in both those genres sue i took notes uh (laughs) a few things a few things obviously plus one to everything aaron said because everything aaron says and does is correct so i the, the first thing i would say is i would draw a sharp distinction between literary conventions and screenwriting conventions. Mm, uh, as we've yes, said many times, there's, you know, a romance novel, like it is a certain way. And it's it's and it's gonna hit these points in this order type thing. And I mean, you know, there's gonna be nipples by page 15, you know, <laughs> or whatever it may be. Um, where you got a lot more flexibility in film and television and screenplays with that, uh, of, of the, the rigidity of genre. Uh, recall especially if you've been binging our fine show that um horror is not my jam i just happen to be good at it (laughs) and most of the horror writers i know it is not their jam they just Mm -hmm. happen to be good at it and most of the people that i know that are really rabid horror fans don't write yeah um so you know it, it can be done but to everything Aaron said, I completely agree. You, you should at least know the bones of the genre so that you can appreciate it and, and do them a proper service. Because again, the last thing you want is to make it seem like you're looking down your nose at a thing. Yeah. Or, or this is my deconstruction of that thing. No one wants your deconstruction of a thing. No one. Just Let me just mm-hmm. tell you just up front. Uh, nobody wants that. Um, and yes, take the time to absorb some of this content. I'll tell you something that happened to me. Exactly. I was working with a writing partner and we had an idea and we were like, we should do like a sci-fi show. That's not about just like one ship, but like a fleet of ships. And I was like, <laughs> I think that happened in Battlestar Galactica. Mm-hmm. And he was like, no, they could be like space Marines or something. And it going through space. And, and I was like, no, I really think that's what Battlestar Galactica was about. Like, it was a whole thing. <laughs> And I went, this is some years ago now, but it was long after BSG was done. Yeah. 
And I just went and rented. Uh, I mean, I should tell you when all this took place. I rented the box set, and I just sat down to watch it. Just like, let me just make sure we're not reinventing the wheel here. Mm-hmm. Turns out, I fell in love with it. Binge the whole thing. Went down that whole rabbit hole that everyone does with Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> but that exact thing happened to me. That you're like. I got a story about a cemetery where pets come back to life. And I'm like, I swear, I heard that somewhere. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Maybe we should double check. (laughs) You know, Um, that being said, I mean, if it were exactly me, and and I I have written in genres um, that I was not terribly familiar with, but I would say that exact thing. I would go and I would say, uh, I would Google what are the top three Western films and what are the top three horror films of all time? Mm-hmm. The list will vary wildly. It doesn't matter. It'll be yeah. plus or minus two movies. If it's uh, not it, to Yuma, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> and just uh, commit a week into it. You yeah. know what I mean? That it's like, I'm going to also, also, that is a heavy, heavy endorsement for 310 to Yuma because Aaron doesn't often... <laughs> Jumping I on the movies. A lot of movies. That's it. Yes. Yeah. So that's, that's a, a good one. That's a meaningful <laughs> endorsement. That's an Elmore oh. Leonard book too, right? Pretty sure. Yeah. yeah, that, yeah. I think so. I have, I have a. I, I do like Elmore. Elmore Leonard in a way that surprises a lot of people. <laughs> well, I, I, I would give yourself a weekend boot camp, uh, and then and I'd watch the top three westerns and I'd watch the top three horror movies, and just see what jumped out at you. And yes, read. But I grade on a curve because I read slowly. Some people read fast. I don't. So I'm like, I know exactly how long a movie is going to take. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a book will take an indeterminate amount of time. You know what I mean? Big but same. at least, at, at least you'll have the you'll, you'll have the fundamentals kind of driven into your brain of a uh, of, of of you know what makes that thing that thing, and then adjust accordingly and just mess with it. Mm-hmm. Which also just kind of a, a side topic to this. You know, I think we've what talked before. What? Wild market in the books, guys. Um, I feel like we talked before, like the difference between wanting to have written something and wanting to write something. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, I feel like when we start out, we kind of get this, we can get stuck in this idea that like, we're, we imagine ourselves with a finished book and we like that idea a lot, but we don't like the process. And they're not going <laughs> to say the process is all, you know, puppies and rainbows. But if you don't like writing, then don't do this because it's <laughs> a lot of just writing. Yeah. And similarly, like, that. you know, like I will say this I write, uh, I guess I write epic fantasy. I still would have not said Empire of Exiles was exactly epic fantasy, but okay, let's say that's what I write because it mm-hmm. is generally the it's pretty large scale fantasy it's pretty big right mm-hmm. um or at least it's got a big world and and the end of the brimstone angel saga was absolutely epic fantasy and the other book i've written that i haven't sold is epic fantasy okay i don't actually like reading a lot of epic fantasy mm-hmm. um See? that a lot of it doesn't really have the stuff that i really enjoy yeah. and that's not none of it like i will pick stuff up but i recognize that for a lot of epic fantasy writers, that kind of, you know, high emotion, like interpersonal tension isn't as appealing. It's not as appealing to have really beautiful prose, right? It, the part that's appealing is this world works like this and look at my world building is very structured. My The plot is very big. It's got, you know, n- clever turns to it. That These are the things that are there. And I do like and respect those things, but my pleasure reading is frequently like not epic fantasy because I have read a lot of it and I do understand it and I like it. 
But to be fair, I don't like what everybody else likes about it because there are lots of little ways to do this in the same way. You know, you might like, you might like, you're going to have to like horror if you're going to write horror to an extent. But you don't you really like need to like everybody horror. else's horror. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And yeah. horror is a really, I think, a really good example of this because it is so much about what triggers fear in you. And mm-hmm. and there's like the fear that's fun to touch, to poke at. And there's the fear where you're like, fuck no, do not get that near me. I don't want it. It crosses my boundaries for this. And and so it is very, like, very easy to say, I like horror that I write. And maybe the like near adjacent things and then none of this stuff, right? But if you don't like this little slice, you're gonna have a hard time sticking with it and and sort of crafting something because you're gonna be sitting in it all day. Yeah. Or you uh, know, uh, at least a little bit of the day. Mm. Well, sorry, Trevor, you're about to say something. Well, um I was I was in the same boat when I uh, wrote my first book because I decided I, I tried to write it an urban fantasy and it didn't work and so i sat down with the book and was looking at genres and everything i went okay you know what i want to write fantasy and i haven't i hadn't ever written just normal normal fantasy um and so i went i went to the bookstore i like Aaron said and i i bought uh the name of the wind i bought uh, uh way of kings thousand kingdoms uh and uh just started trying to read it and absorb it and see what it was doing to kind of build on it. Because all I had read before that was uh, Game of Thrones and uh, the Lord of the Rings even further back from that. And it, my what I had in fantasy just I didn't like. And so having that view gave me more things to uh, to work with. Uh, but what Aaron was talking about there with uh, and, and actually B-Day too, like horror writer, uh, people that write horror don't necessarily like horror. Um, I'm doing that right now with Grimdark. I I hate Grimdark fantasy. And so I'm the w- project I'm working on right now is a Grimdark that I want to see. That I that I like that doesn't have everyone talking about every last time they took a piss. Um and just having just you oh yeah, we just say every crude thought that could possibly come through our heads and that makes it Grimdark. Um so yeah like i don't like that area of fantasy but that's what i'm working on but i've also read and watched a lot of it to know what i don't like about it yeah yeah i think that's the thing with it yeah well but one thing i do want to clearly say i think we've all tiptoed around but i want to say outright uh, if you're feeling a disturbance in the forest and something is telling you this is a thing, listen to it. Follow. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. like, do make the thing. We're not saying know? don't do it. Just yeah, look into it. Okay, yeah. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have have a little context and then yeah. do the thing. Yeah, absolutely. I'm curious. What would you suggest? Three horror movies or books or short stories. Three westerns. In what what, what oh. would you suggest? I will tell you the way I do things. I uh-huh. research one of two things. The highest selling in most awards won. Mm. Those are the two parameters that I measure a thing by. So you can take something like Twilight or Fifty Shades of Grey, which were objectively terrible, but moved millions of units. So something was happening, <laughs> you know, Um because I think there's a lot of truly brilliant things that 50 people will read in life. Yeah. Uh, and and if, if it is your ambition to create, you know, art house, black and white, 
um, you know, silent commentary on the futility of capitalism. That's cool. But if you intend to move some units, do that. So for me, I would look at things like the first Friday the 13th, the first Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, Blair Witch Project, Paranormal Activity, uh, you know, the first oh, one of all of these activity. things, the, the, thing, the things that launched fleets. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. all of them fall apart eventually. You know what I mean? But it's like, what, what, what was it about Jason Voorhees that is making us tell Jason Voorhees stories nearly 50 years later? You know, because it's something. Yeah. You know? Um, in, in the, the same with the Western, um, uh, like you said, 310 to Yuma, I'd look at anything that has gotten remade, you oh, know, yeah. because it's like, there probably was something There probably was a reason. Um, yeah. I also would, um, look at modern expressions like, uh, the, the harder they fall, the one that was the all black people oh, thing that yeah. came out on Netflix a little while ago, which was super dope. Um, but for me, those, like, I don't, I, cause if you just Google, what's the best western right it's very subjective yeah you'll find 500 blogs yeah. that's that's why those are my personal parameters yeah just mm-hmm. straight up units sold especially if it was a book that did well that became a movie that also did well it's like well there's probably something there in awards yeah like if if i were to suggest three like i I will suggest three horror movies but the thing is those like i don't know if that's the type of horror that they're going for or anything this is like if you want to know get to know me as a horror fan uh it would be uh the uh the insidious uh series um uh i just freaking had it oh uh at the mouth of madness and uh the paranormal activity movies like and, and that that runs the gambit of being good. <laughs> I appreciate I know that, that. You, you cheat as I do, counting a trilogy as one. You know what I mean? Oh, like, okay. Let's be fair. Like I'm counting like trilogy. four like, movies hey, for Insidious and like six yeah. movies for right. Paranormal yeah. Activity. Yep. How about you, Aaron of the Thousand Evans? I don't know. Um, I don't watch horror movies particularly. Read more horror. Mm. Um. And then the question, because you're right, like horror in particular is like a zillion subgenres. So uh, the scariest book that I remember reading of late is The Only Good Indians. Couldn't finish it. It was so scary. Mm, But I think that's really good for tension, um, for seeing sort of how, yeah, the tension is off the charts. And it's one of those things. I love a book. I love when an author can sort of set the set up this the 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 situation and sort of convince you that that like somehow you become convinced because you like the character so much that something different is going to happen it's gonna be all right um, like clearly yeah like yeah. What? Yeah. the fall of reach right yeah. is, the, oh. is the example i always give you you know from the start you know from the start reach is gonna fucking fall Stop loving them. And then you're like, but maybe it's just like a yeah. metaphor. Exactly. Right. Like maybe, maybe it's going to like work out all right. Yes. This, is, this yeah. is well done. Like if an author can tell me, yo, everybody's going to die. And I go at some point, I really don't want that to happen. So I don't believe you. It yeah. makes mm-hmm. it just feel that much stronger. And so this is, you know, a group of young men um, who are all native Americans who uh, kill a mother elk out of season and are sort of cursed by this spirit. And it is the tension again is is masterful uh that's stephen graham jones um that is i think the scariest thing that i can remember reading of late um i think it's worth reading stephen king because again that's that's very classic um 
the only thing I know that I've read recently that I found really scary was a uh, Stephen King, Joe Hill uh, co-rating short story called In the Tall Grass or In the Tall Tall Grass, maybe. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. That sounds familiar. Upsetting. It was just very I, upsetting. Yeah, I can't think of. <laughs> ever having read a book that scared me and that that is not just i'm such a badass i mean i also don't like can't tell you the last time i sat down and read a horror book you know like like there's been things i've been worried about like i mean you're like oh i hope they're gonna be all right turning the page type thing you know but not there's like a there's two levels of scary for me one is that sort of like high ratcheted tension where Mm. like you get so involved with it that you you are also getting very tense about it you know the murderer is somewhere in the house kind of feeling and then the other is the wake up in the middle of the night and most of your conscious brain is asleep and you are very sure that shadow monsters are real i Mm -hmm. have this problem oh Oh, i tried watching stranger things which came out around the time my my younger son was a baby and I had to stop because I would be up in the middle of the night nursing him and I would be sure that if I turned my head, the fucking Demogorgon would start <laughs> pushing through the wall because I was not sleeping enough. Oh, yeah. No, that's so, not a good time to watch I'm that. I'm very now. susceptible to that kind of thing. I, I was watching something recently uh, and it was, it was talking expressly about shadow people, you know, and seeing yeah. those things. And, and, and the argument they were making is that, you know, they were they were like, it doesn't make sense that all humans hallucinate the same in their mm-hmm. counterpoint was well but all humans are made out of the same bits and bobs mm-hmm. so despite culture it's like if something in your brain is short-circuiting then yeah it makes sense that it would short-circuit similarly for all of yeah. us and it was like or or there's fucking shadow people and you can see them at night <laughs> I, I can't tell you how happy i am we've tangented into a paranormal yeah. podcast right now yeah. like yeah. i'm just so happy <laughs> <laughs> but, the Go, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say the reason that uh, in Empire of Exiles, there's a um, culture of people, the Elosians, who are basically polyamorous shadow people mm-hmm. is because I have a weird fear of shadow people. And I was like, how do I make them friendly? Um, I mean, so, at least yeah. be, they're like, you know, down to party, at least if they're polyamorous. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm just saying, have you ever tried throwing it at one of the shadow people? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there so there's hard now this 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 is like a quadruple tangent now i'm gonna just say real quick so netflix haunted the show yeah. on netflix oh, God. um it's one of those things where the people come in and tell their ghost story and then like netflix does the yeah. recreation yeah. you know what i mean so it's not like grainy photos it's like this is what happened to me and then they have actors yeah. and stuff and it's like this is what happened um smile spoiler for one of the season one episodes but there's a sex ghost oh my there's a sex ghost right and like this is this this woman and her husband and you know it's real i mean i say in air quotes i mean it's advertised as real but i don't know but you know they're like this literally happened to us right right Right. so they're like sex ghost here's the thing at the end the husband's like i want to move out of the house and she's like no she leaves the husband for the fucking sex ghost ghost? yes yes a sex ghost how was this not a jerry springer episode you know what did we not learn about it from jerry you you know what when i saw that episode i was like that's true fuck all y'all that's true look at that woman's face that man had to come on netflix and be like she left me for a ghost and she's like a sex ghost so someone at brazzers was watching that episode and went huh Huh. Um, (laughs) amazing 
Yeah. Um, Westerns, I say three ten to Yuma. I'm trying to remember. <laughs> I went through a phase where I was. I think I. I think I have told this story. So like after I graduated of college, my now husband, then boyfriend, and I bought an RV and uh, like a little like shorty RV and drove around the country for nine months. Um, and you can't have a library card when you live in mm. a car. So um, we bought books at like Goodwill. And if you buy books at Goodwill, they are a quarter each or they yep. are 10 per a dollar. Yeah. So I read very widely for those nine months because that's mostly how I entertain myself. And um, I am cheap. So uh, I read a lot of Westerns and a lot. I read This is when I read everything. It's like my all the Louis L'Amour stacking them up, huh? I, I go like buy all the pick all the fantasies out that I that I hadn't read and then I'm like well what else right and this is when I you know read my first western I read my first true crime I read my first vampire book um <laughs> were they all the same book vampire true crime Weirdly. western there you go yeah. that's your that's dear that's, reader that's your story right there is there the vampire go. true crime no western one's done that before yep um actually I feel like that's probably I don't know no, 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 no. we're not gonna go down that road anyway. <laughs> all been done so, at this point <laughs> so yeah like i mean i i am a big proponent of like reading really widely particularly if you're gonna write like in fantasy because fantasy lends itself very well to borrowing from other genres big fan of appaloosa i liked appaloosa a lot especially the gunfight now appaloosa's got a few scenes that i that i reference frequently yeah um well, there you go. Well, Do see, the I, uh, I hope that helped you out. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, I'm legit. I need you to know, I'm legit making a note over here of vampire true crime western. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm putting that in my idea notepad. Love it, love it. Um, so uh, for the topic tonight, and I actually uh, realized we have an email that I can bring up later in it, but I want to talk Ooh. about trilogies. Like we've talked about sequels before, mm -hmm. but you know, I, I feel like there's kind of a thing in a lot of like, especially fantasy and sci-fi genres of that, like, oh, I want a trilogy. Mm -hmm. I want to write mm -hmm. the trilogy. And, and and I do kind of feel like Lord of the Rings and, and Star Wars yeah. are to blame for this, of this, this want mm -hmm. for three uh, mm -hmm. separate uh, properties. But what, what, what do you, what do you do with the trilogy? I, trilogy? I literally plan every story as a trilogy everything everything i write i plan as a trilogy um uh, even if i think i could do more than three i try and have a fairly compact and tight three uh again you want the first one to be able to stand on its own um every truly effective trilogy except maybe the lord of the rings but we knew what we'd signed on for uh the first one can stand alone because quite frankly you don't ever know if you're going to get the next ones and then two can very much end on a cliffhanger and finish on three uh trilogies format also very easily lend themselves to three-act structure where you have the first book is basically the first act the second book is basically the second act and the third book is basically the third act i mean each one has to be complete and have its own rising action in the middle etc mm -hmm. etc uh but it's just a uh, a very tidy um convention i think you gotta when you tell the first story again as completely as possible but you can have a couple of things that trail off of it, like Star Wars being one of the best examples. The Star Wars is the best example of almost everything. Yeah. We beat the Death Star. Yay! Well, we did see Darth Vader go spinning off into the distance, though. But I'm yeah, yeah, I'm sure that's the last we heard of that guy, though. <laughs> anyway, we're gonna get some medals. You know what I mean? And if and if there'd been no more, 
there could have been no more like like we did it eh. versus when it's done poorly like the lost in space reboot with a uh, matt leblanc oh, i love that movie and, and this is i love the soundtrack it's so bad yeah it, it is terrible but it very much at the end of it they're like oh we gotta jump to warp what's gonna happen and then you're like the answer's fucking nothing that's what's going to happen not anything yeah. the answer was uh, some weird credits yep uh, <laughs> yep what, what about you, Erin? What, what, what's up um, with trilogies? It's not my favorite. Mm. Um, it's classic for a reason. I will give it that. I think that the biggest weakness of a trilogy is that people stretch a story that doesn't belong in three books into three books because that is what's done. Alternately, they cram a story into three books that doesn't belong in three books because that's what's done. Um, I like on I really I liked Brimstone Angels for being kind of a an open-ended series. Um <clears throat> I think it ended probably about where it should have. Um, and I I'm I'm perfectly happy with it, but it lets the whole thing breathe. But that's also a this that's also about the size of the story. Um, you know, when it's something that kind of ends up being about the, the rise and fall of gods um it should be pretty beefy uh the thing that i think because it is sort of the classic structure we hold on to it a lot is like this is the right structure for a lot of stories um but i think we can all think of like a trilogy we read where book two was basically dithering from point a to point b or you like could they have dropped it or like they did with The Hobbit, making one book into three movies, or The Hunger Games, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, just like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like, ideally, like B. Dave said, ideally, a trilogy has a structure of its own, um, and that each book has an individual structure, right? So that you, once you land that, you know, that first book, then you escalate into something in the second book, which can also be like resolved without losing that escalation because when we get to the third book, it needs to keep going. You need that rising action to continue. Um, and the, yeah, the risk is like your story needs to be big enough to go across three books because you know, you get into this weird place where you do the setup in book one, you plan the resolution in book three, what happens in book two it's a mm -hmm. side quest usually um or you know worse than that it's kind of just lots of people moving around talking about how they should do something <laughs> the, um which is the sec the second act is always the hard part and when you expand yeah. the second act to be a book <laughs> yeah. yeah that that is but that is where you end up uh you know going to um you know the 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 foreign village for you know mm -hmm. a detour and then <laughs> laid over by a storm you know? oh boy and then yeah, the the book becomes a shopping episode. <laughs> oh, Which, shopping like, I guess episodes. is the thing is I don't like poorly written trilogies because yeah. there's you know, like there is a reader expectation that this is how something's gonna go. Um, but I I and and to give just like credit where it's due, you give any random author an open ended series it is also going to fall apart because a lot yep. of them, it means they're not, they don't know where it ends, right? Yep. If you're going to do something like that, 
you need to kind of like have your kind of have your eye on the ball and figure out how to throw kind of the juggle in the new things, but also when to start catching the balls and wind it back down. Um, because when you get into something that's like this, this is just going to go on as long as I get a paycheck, like you can see the sort of diminishing returns and the fact that you can't always keep that, keep that action rising mm-hmm. for so many books. Um, you're going to end up doing things that like, just, this is a totally random example. My son and I are reading to, we read together because mm-hmm. he still likes that. And I'm going to hold that on to it incredible. forever. My 12 year old um, is also still asking. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's going to end one day. We're reading this series. Right. And it's, um, it's a historical mystery series basically. And, and it's I, honestly i really recommend it the blackthorn key so mm-hmm. you know it's I, I mean i will say this it's surprisingly gory for a middle grade series <laughs> there have been a couple times i'm like holy shit <laughs> but it's got fun codes and puzzles and interesting facts about uh apothecaries and he really likes it so we've got like the first book uh where the kid's master apothecary gets killed and we have to investigate a cult. And then the Black Plague breaks out and somebody's doing shenanigans and we have to find them. And then we have to go to France to save the king's sister. And then when we're there, we meet the villain, the big bad. Black Plague shenanigans would be a great band name, just for the record. (laughs) I would go to that show and buy the t-shirt. Um, and then he comes back and they wreck on the shores of, of England and he loses his memory and he has to remember who he oh, is. Oh, God. And it's not a badly written book. Yeah. But my son is like, what is this even? I don't like it. I don't want this character to not know who he is. I want him to be himself. He's cool. And it honestly feels a little like you got, you know, a six book series you got to book four and you're like, ah, what do I do here? Because we don't want to go ahead and face the big bad. We need to stretch it out a little more. We need something else here. Amnesia plot, right? And it ends up being a little bit of a bottle. And so that kind of thing where it's like, you know, when you stretch a story out over many books, whether that's two books or 30 books, um, it's like stretching no, at some yeah. point it starts to lose sort of its structural integrity and you've got to do things to kind of keep it going um so yeah then realistically nothing nothing needs 10 books <laughs> nothing like i, I, I will like, say though people are still paying you though yeah no was- sorry no please sorry <laughs> I say, though, the, the book series she's talking about has some banger titles Oh, they're great. Yeah. The Blackthorn Key, Mark of the Plague, The Assassin's Cure, Call curse. of the Ra- oh, what, what is it? Curse. Oh, Assassin's Curse, yeah. Uh, um, Both work. The Call of the Wraith, The Traitor's Blade, and The Raven's Revenge. Like, those, that's some that's, badass that's titles. Metal. That's yeah, metal yeah, titles, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah well, here's the thing. I, I, would, I would submit in... Two points of full disclosure, Bob Salvatore, friend of the show. Also, I have not read every Dritz novel. Mm-hmm. That being said, though, from what I do know of the character is I, I like the layout of, you know, we, we have to fit this, we have to fix this problem. It's World War One. We got three books to finish World War One. Hooray, you won. Oh, shit, it's World War Two now. <laughs> three more books. You know what I mean? It's not... Yeah. 
it's, this indefinite it's a series of yeah. trilogies. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Or, or you know, it, it is a series of trilogies. It is. I mean, no, it no, genuinely is. Yeah. yeah, it right? is. But and that I think helps. I think that's another thing. Like, if you're gonna any series you do, like you look at that kind of structure, right? If you're doing something, you know, something longer you you know like for brimstone angels right there's a through line through those six books and that keeps escalating but each individual book has its own story which is contained within it and has its own pressures right mm -hmm. and so that way like you're not just reading about that that six book rising tension because as you do you notice like if i were to draw a line across the screen and then split it up right? Several of those points, it's just going to look like a flat line. Nothing's happening. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so similarly, like you have a series like Dritz, which is going on for like 30 years, but it's going on in trilogy bites. So you have like vroom, 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 vroom yep. for each of those. And yep. they are moving up little by little as things change and people like, you know, learn new things about themselves and such. Um, but, you know, if that 30 year line is this very gradual rise, it doesn't it doesn't affect the book itself because that book has its own little sharp arc that is making things happen. Yep. And I a thousand percent agree that you can tell when somebody is just stretched that taffy a little bit. Yeah. You know, that, that they're like, well, the reveal is that he's his father and he's, you know, and he's going to turn on the emperor and save him. So I kind of got those two data points, you know, <laughs> uh. like, you won nine movies. I'm like, I mean, I, I kind of got those two things. Also, she's his sister. That's that's a thing. I mean, that's, um, yeah, it's a bullet point. You know? The ones that, <laughs> right. that bug me are when it's like, and again, I hesitate to call anybody out particularly, um, unless they have a certain amount of cachet. But yeah. but when you're like, you know, if the book end, ends with, and he's your father, and then the next uh, book is, but is he? But maybe, but we should nah. find out. And it's like, we just, we're not, yeah. we're just looping back and forth so yeah. that you yeah. can kill time Yeah, because you don't have enough for this book, um, which is why I would always say, don't save it for the sequel. Oh um, yeah. Agreed. I, there's a point where you, you can have too much plot. It is possible, but I feel like in these cases, the, the risk is more that there's not enough in this book. Um, I agree. Yeah, don't, don't hide it. Yeah, don't be coy. I agree. Uh, I so I, I, I want to bring in uh, the li the listener question. This is from Zayden. Uh, says, uh, hi, I'm a big fan of the podcast, but uh, only recently started listening. So I uh, haven't gotten through all the episodes yet. Hopefully you haven't answered similar questions. About well, we're doing the topic tonight, so you're just in time. Hey. <laughs> um, in the book series I'm writing, the main character slash hero ends up being the villain slash antagonist in the next series, basically uh, a corruption arc. However, I'm not sure uh, I went about this right. In the first book, uh, you see his strengths, what makes him a hero, uh, though he rejects and hates it. This is his weakness. Throughout book one, uh, you see his strengths grow stronger but also his weaknesses and in the end of the book he leans towards the weaknesses thinking it will bring him happiness less fulfillment but what for the second and third book i was thinking he could slowly try to reject his weakness but never finds the actual desire to do that and his strength slash goodness are uh, almost completely gone in the third uh, but i don't know how to do that without making him unlikable i want the readers to still root for him and hope that he chooses good and are devastated at the end of the series do you have any advice for how to do this 
sorry if this is long. No problem. Wait, sir, we both we both are about to jump on this one. <laughs> yeah, and, gonna, uh, you, you go first. Your finger, up, be... your finger went up before mine. <laughs> you're you're going to make a better point. So That's why I got to be your opening <laughs> act. Um, I, I, I believe what you're saying, you know, before I contradict myself, is you've already set upon the fact that he's he's going bad and it's yeah, not going to be redeemed, like. right? Yep. Okay, because I was going to say, you got to decide if you're right to tragedy or not. Yeah. Um, because that's that's the cornerstone. To, I mean, it, to... it, they, they do say uh, hopes that they uh, choose is good and are devastated at the end of the series. So I, I, they're at least going in that direction. The fall direction. of reach effect. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you don't have to worry about being likable. In fact, you know, the worse they are, the more some people are going to like them. And I've been <laughs> on the Internet. Some people are going to be like, I can change him. And I'm just like, make, I assure you. Just make him hot. The just leaves the body. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you, you go, Aaron. Um, so the books where I've seen this done most effectively have a second point of view. And I would suggest considering that, especially if it's one that kind of crosses. Um, the one that pops in my head, and I'm not actually, I'm suddenly not 100% sure if, if it has the same... Uh, if the if the if the the one that starts out bad gets the redemption is uh, she who became the sun by Shelley, Shelley Parker Chan, mm. um, which starts out with the titular she uh, who you know is destined fi finds a way to steal a destiny for greatness and starts doing things that she justifies as this is what I'm meant to do and you start to go oh wait a second wait a second you are going to the bad um or at the very least to the tyrannical mm -hmm. meanwhile there's another character who is kind of her dark mirror um who it comes in and, and is very much an antagonist but you sort of find out more about him and and you start to kind of recognize a certain nobility in him i'm trying to remember at the, at the end of that you're like no i'm gonna ruin him now um <laughs> but having someone else make the correct choice or having someone else believe that your falling hero can still make the correct choice um, is, is a good way to kind of set that for your reader as an option. Um, if you give me a character who just does, does the wrong thing over and over and over, and I don't see that, that possibility of that pull up, um, I don't imagine going through this for three books. Mm -hmm. I, I I think it is absolutely valuable to let your characters make mistakes yeah. and have to cope with that. But if your character is like just diving into the mistakes and this is all the story is, I I can't, I can't. Like I, yeah. I feel just talking about that makes me feel kind of stressed. Um, but so, yeah, if if what you want is for your readers to sort of watch that that downward slide and go any second now, he's going to pull up. I think that giving another point of view character that kind of shows all the doorways where the pull up could happen and doesn't um, definitely would help. And then the other thing is, is you can get a lot of mileage out of making them make choices that are great on paper but as you go along you're like oh no 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 i did not mean to follow you here right in that same effect you know in in shelly parker chan's book you're like yeah okay get it yeah stand up against that guy little, little, little bit of power 
You show that guy you are absolutely valuable here. Oh my God, you've, you've just like staged a coup and declared yourself the emperor. And I feel like we're going down the wrong path here. <laughs> this would sound so fast. Right? <laughs> and that, that, that's a wonderful sort of villain too, where they're very reasonable. They're very reasonable. And they say, if A, then B. If B, then C. If C, then D. If D, then genocide. And you're like, oh, <laughs> whoa, how did you get there? Right? But you watch them and you think like, oh, okay. This, I think, is really useful because it does kind of say to you, people can sound reasonable and, and be terrible. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> That's my brand. <laughs> <laughs> I think Wait. that's another way to do it. Like, you're not making them do things that you're like, why the hell wouldn't you just be strong? Like, you don't feel like it? That's not a reason, which is not what I'm saying you're doing. But if it's like, oh, that causes problems, I'm not going to do that. You watch them make the wise choice that's leading somewhere not wise. That's something that's relatable too. I mean, again, remember the villains, the hero of their own story. Yep. You know, um, uh, a few, you got a few examples for, for what, for what she's talking about at this secondary point of view person. Um, the character of Ahsoka from Star Wars, the reason why Ahsoka works is she does everything Anakin should have. Yeah. Uh, when confronted with the exact same problems, Ahsoka makes the right choice. And that's the the, the deviation in, in those characters there. And I think even though that character is popular- she had two I, great dads. I don't, two great dads. <laughs> um, the, even though that character is popular, I don't think a lot of people put that together. They're yeah. like, no, she's what Anakin was supposed to be, you know? Um, the other thing is, uh, again, uh, Tasselhot Burfoot in, in the Dragonlance stories uh, is, is uh, Raceland is continuing to slide further and further into evil. And Raceland never gets to the point that he's irredeemable. He, I mean, he goes off into the deep end of evil a few times, but I mean, he always comes through in the clutch, like up to and including his, his death, I say in air quotes. Um, <laughs> but as everybody else saw that Raceland was starting to slide, Tasselhoff was the only one who was like, no, he's my friend. Like he's, as I've tried, believe me, he, he wouldn't, he wouldn't, he wouldn't, he wouldn't. And then Tasselhoff sees him kill Buppo and he's like, oh, you're a monster. Yeah. And that's you, you hit the audience with a sledgehammer. Yeah. When the one who never gave up on them has to be like, oh, no. Yeah. Uh, the the, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I have no, no, no. I have notes. Please. Oh, oh, well, I was gonna say like uh, kind of jumping off that was like the the other one, the one that number one that popped into my head was uh, Obi Wan, like the the prequel trilogy. Like the, yep. we knew the from the get go, the entire thing was about Anakin's fall. Yep. And um, the thing is, is that after Anakin does like uh, like pretty much um, after uh, Mustafar, we don't really get the the scenes with him from his point of view the movie starts sticking obi-wan is the main character we get the scenes with him where he's sitting there just like pondering and thinking over what just happened vader is just becomes vader and screams no and that's that's kind of the thing with this one like if i if i were to set out to do a, a tragedy like this and i wasn't going to completely a star wars with it ends with their fall i would do it halfway through the third book if like it had to be a trilogy if that was the the overarching thing of it was their fall middle of the third book and then resolve that because 
I like I saw someone I saw a video essay someone do where they're like I re-outlined the prequel trilogy and I went okay let's 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 go and they had Anakin fall at the end of the second movie and I went no <laughs> that 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 doesn't that doesn't matter like anything that happens after that doesn't matter for that story yeah because that's the- where we were headed that's where we were headed and that's we knew that's where we were gonna get because then that makes the entire third movie just moot right yeah (laughs) it doesn't matter but but let me say this one other thing about the the best portrayal i've seen of a character that went this way um it kind of happens with aaron yeager and attack on titan but i hate aaron yeager so Mm. i I can't speak to that uh fairly uh arthas manethel in warcraft Mm -hmm. uh our arthas is the sweet shining prince and he keeps doing increasingly terrible things, but for what a reasonable, for, for reasonable, for, for uh, uh, you know, for, I was going to say reasonable reasons, but I mean, I can't think of a better way to say it. Uh, for things that seem rational, like what Aaron was saying, that he's like, of course we need the curse sword because we need the power to stop the zombies. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, of course we it. need to burn all these bodies so they can't become zombies. It's like, that's cool. That's cool. Of course we need to kill all these people so those because we'll do it mercifully and the zombies won't oh, okay <laughs> you know you know the, 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 yeah. I, I will say like for for a downfall arc absolutely the thing that i will point out is like this person is wanting to do uh three bucks and arthas is pretty much like that is a one time story yeah yeah you get there you get there you get there in a single trip with that with that I, I would say if if okay Taking a step back and saying, I don't know that the trilogy is the proper vehicle for this story for all the reasons we've already given about yep, your stretchy you dough. But if you're intent on doing the trilogy, then to tell you the truth, the Star Wars prequels and even the Clone Wars are a good map for this because Anakin is nothing but the hero in those. Yeah. And you get glints, glints of the fact that you're like, wait, that bro, what? heard an entire like, like, people tribe, yeah. I mean, and not just the men, but the women yep, and the children, children too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they're animals and he massacred, butchered them like animals, but you, you give those hints, you give those things where you're like, well, he just lost his temper. You know what I mean? And then you, by the time you're getting to the third book, you know, he's more machine now than man twisted and evil. I don't think you can do it effectively in the first book unless maybe, and then I'm going to stop talking for Aaron. If he has a, you have a fall in the first book a false redemption in the second book where you're like he's like i'm fine i'm good i'm good i'm good and then in the third book be like actually i'm not though <laughs> yeah like just, just smack your readers across yeah. the face sorry Aaron. two things yeah one all these examples we're talking about um or at least most of them i did double check the story of arthas Manethel, so i knew what i was talking about and i think this hey. one's a little, that one's a little bit different but you know going into the prequels that this is the story of how Anakin falls. That's true. So there is yeah. something to be said for if this is the story of a hero that becomes a villain, that you are upfront about it. Because if you then every, you know, it's that, it's the fall of reach effect, right? If you tell me it's a tragedy, then I, and, and then you make me get attached. I don't want it to happen, but I, I want to, I'm, I'm stuck watching. Mm-hmm. Um, the second thing I will say where I don't think you should look at the prequels, the end of those results in Darth Vader is now the villain. Mm-hmm. There isn't a reason for you to end that as, and now this person is the villain. 
um, that I can think of. Yeah. The full tragedy is, and is actually like the tragedy of Darth Vader goes to, uh, Six, yeah. you know, he dies mm-hmm. at, pre- realizing he can protect his son when, when he's lost everything else. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that's his whole story. And so that is what you want to fit into that series is that sort of like mm-hmm. that fall. And then the result of the fall, if mm-hmm. you just show me someone and they become a bad guy and then you stop, maybe you can tell that story, but that's I fair. do feel like you haven't taken it to its actual conclusion. So I wouldn't say that that they need to necessarily fall in that case in the third book, because in this case, when you look at the whole, Darth Vader falls in the second book, basically, because mm. it's actually six books. Yeah, that's And fair. we just squishing them all down, right? <laughs> um, and yeah. so that's the thing to consider too, is like, what is the landing space for this? Where are we trying to get when we're watching this person make every mistake? You know, do they have any kind of redemption at the end? Or is this a story of how someone has to now become the hero to stop them, right? Do they yeah. become what they couldn't become? And those are questions to ask yourself. Like other things have to happen in this story to support that tr- kind of tragic arc. What are those? It, I honestly I will... love thinking of those two trilogies as like three things. It's just one trilogy. <laughs> that is that's actually really cool. <laughs> it's not not that. Yeah, I, I will just say. Um, I wrote down a bigger bad guy because I was thinking in my head if it just turns out that he's like I'm bad, but I'm not as bad as that guy, so I'm good by proxy. That's bullshit. <laughs> I'm like, he's gonna be bad, make him bad. Uh, but again, that is now a tragedy. They've been be clear on what your what a tragedy is in the conventions of what makes a tragedy a tragedy. The original name of Star Wars was the well, the original one was the Guardians the of, of Luke, the Wills. Luke Starkiller. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah the Guardians of the Wills. But but the subtitle is the tragedy of Anakin Skywalker. Mm-hmm. That's what it was always called. It is about this one man messing everything up and trying to fix it you know, to his doom. I will say there, there's a uh, only one example I can think of of the good guy, you know, tries to stop the bad guy and just fucking loses. <laughs> and the good guy's like, uh, the bad guy's like, I guess we're done here. It's like King Rao and Fist of the North Star. Rao beats Ken. And he's like, yeah, yeah so screw all you people. <laughs> it just leaves, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> That's yeah. Yeah, King Rao, King Rao. I, but I, I will say, because I know we, we're 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 talking a little bit in circles now. I I would I would heavily re-examine whether or not this actually needs to be a trilogy. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. I, I I think all of those were uh, really good because that those made me think on several different levels about things. I'm still I'm I I like that the Star Wars is it's like it's like you did with Lord of the Rings. You just crammed it all into one book. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> And then someone was like, no, no, we have to split those into into three. He goes, okay, well, at least it's not six. Uh, <laughs> no, no. Is it, was, was Lord of the Rings like split like yeah. that? Because it couldn't be yeah. one? I, can't uh, re- I kind of can't remember. I think if um, I remember correctly, Tolkien said it was technically six books and he put mm-hmm. them all into one. And then his publisher was like, what if we broke them into three? Like the glue won't hold. <laughs> we can't afford to ship cases. We can only put four of these in one box. Exactly. Uh, the, 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 the prototypical phone book. 
I find that an interesting experience because there is sort of this expectation with any given book that there will be a full arc for each of them. When you read something that's been divided um, for that sort of reason, like um, Connie Willis has a duology called Blackout and All Clear that's like a time travel book set during World War II. And it is absolutely one book that was divided. Um, so you come basically up the up the curve and it doesn't land. Um, Blackout doesn't land really. It's just sort of like, oh shit, everything's really fucked. And then you pick up All Clear. And so they were released like within a few months of each other because it's not like one book, another book. It's one book that we can't possibly sell as one book because it would be as wide as my head. Mm. Yeah. It's a weird experience though, because I feel like your brain is like it will close, it will come, it will come to a landing spot, and then it doesn't. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I think that is a good place to start wrapping things up. But before I do, I'm going to correct something I did last week. So yeah. we we read uh, we read a, or I read a um, uh, email from Zach, and there was a joke in there that my 10:30 at night brain could not wrap its head around. I just skipped over. Remember that. <laughs> And I ended up uh, emailing with him and he explained, uh, he said the, the joke was that a tangent in math is a sine uh, function divided by a cosine function. And I was like, okay, that's actually really funny. I didn't get that one. <laughs> Sensible chuckle. <laughs> uh, but that is where we're going to wrap things up. Uh, friends, uh, where can people find you? What awesome things you're working on? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Erin Evans. You can pre-order my new book, um, Relics of Ruin. <laughs> you can yes. buy Empire of Exiles um, or pop it on your Goodreads want to read list. Those are important. Um, Five stars. You can also join me on uh, Mondays at 1.30 p.m. Pacific for Concentration Check uh, on twitch.tv slash Dungeon Scrawlers. Come do some Pomodoro sprints with me. I did that this week, and then I forgot about a meeting and had to leave before the first sprint was over. <laughs> <laughs> I missed that you were there, and then I saw that you'd left. <laughs> you know, that sounds like my last few relationships. <laughs> God damn it. Yeah, I'm B. Dave Walters. I do that. That's the thing I do. Follow me on the Tweetograms at B. Dave Walters. Uh, also 14 day writer which i'm sure is linked down below save yes. five years off your journey after learning how to do this and i talk a lot about genre and things like that too so that will uh that will help yeah uh you can find me on twitter at the trevor there's an a hiding in there uh thank you so much for listening uh if you enjoyed this episode the best way to support is by leaving a review on your podcast service of choice and telling your friends about the show uh if you'd like to write in with your own questions like uh the lovely folks did today you can send those into writing about dragons of shit at gmail.com i also gestured towards the screen like any of you could see the emails but you know whatever uh if you'd like to keep up the day on the show you can follow us on twitter at about dragons but until next week guard about some dragons and shit yeah.